0: Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Hey, wait a minute. What's the name of your church? Real Life Christian Church. Real life. Get real with another edition of Think About It. Real Life Messages from Pastor Dennis Rasper from Real Life Christian Church. And now, let's listen to the message from Pastor Rasper.
1: This is a series of messages called, What Matters? And so today we're going to look at priority number three, at investing ourselves, devoting ourselves to our callings. And this series, early in the year, is about what we devote ourselves to, first our relationship with God, second family, third our callings. So now we want to think about the will of God. God has a sovereign will and He has a permissive will. When I think about the sovereign will of God, that's something that God decrees and it's absolutely irreversible. There is no force on earth, in heaven or hell, that can reverse a sovereign decision of God. And when I think about those sovereign decisions of God, the first thing I think about is Ephesians chapter 4. God chose me to be his own. For he chose us, verse 4. I'm sorry, Ephesians 1, verse 4. For he chose us in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in love. And the only place you're going to be holy and blameless, of course, is in heaven. And nothing will ever, ever re- that, that. See that? That's why it makes no sense that you can lose your salvation. That's a sovereign, irreversible decree of God. That's a sovereign, reversal, irreversible decree of God. So I know because that is a sovereign decree of God. One day I will be with the Lord. Now uh, you, you, you may say to yourself, "Well, I can go and indulge my flesh. I can't be since I can't lose my salvation." Yeah, but if you do that, get ready for some get ready for some pain because Hebrews 12:7 tells us that God disciplines us as sons and Hebrews 12:11 says it's not pleasant but painful. God's not going to let you get away with that. And so we've got the sovereign will of God, we have the permissive will of God. He wills certain things for us and they're all good, but he allows us the freedom to say, no, I don't want to go that way. I want to do my own thing. And that's where our callings come in. When I was growing up during my last year of high school, I got this sense in my heart that I wanted to, um, I got this growing sense that I wanted to go into the ministry. And all, the, all of the job possibilities didn't interest me. I had no desire for anything else. And the deal is our family had a friend. We had a friend who owned a grocery store and that friend wanted me to train to be a meat cutter I've said this before and get into the grocery retailing business and he was gonna teach me the whole grocery retailing business I mean that was about he was a good friend of the family and that was about the closest thing you can get to a guaranteed future he really wanted me to te- he wanted me to learn the meat cutting trade he said he said that's where it is today we don't have a whole lot of meat cutters. I'm gonna teach you the whole retailing business and one day I'm gonna make you a partner in my store he intimated that he didn't say that he intimated that to my dad anyway Today I could have been the manager assistant manager of a, a giant eagle in Cleveland, that's their big food chain. And that would have been very cool, but I would have missed his best. See, that's his permissive will. Now with that in mind, we, you've got the sovereign will of God and the permissive will of God. With that in mind, do you give God your very best in your callings? I mean the best of who you are, the best of what you are, with the resources you have. God wants you to give him the best that you have. And that leads me to two guys, one whose name is Bezalel, the other whose name is Aholiab. Okay. um, Before the um, people of Israel built their beautiful temple uh, temple under King Solomon, they worshipped in a tent. And the tent was called a tabernacle. And they would haul this thing during 40 years of desert wilderness wandering. They would haul this thing from place to place. And they would take it up, set it down, take it up, set it down. And the Levites would carry this thing, that's the priestly class, would carry this tabernacle from place to place for 40 years, along with all the temple furniture, the altar, the curtains, and everything. And see, God wanted the best for his Tabernacle. He wanted the best craftsmen to build the articles of the tabernacle. And that's where you meet these guys, Bezalel and Aholiab. And you don't want to name your kids Bezalel or Aholiab. But this is Exodus 31 beginning in verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, listen now, with skill and ability and knowledge in all kinds of crafts to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, to engage in all kinds of craftsmanship. Moreover, I have appointed a Aholiab, the son of so-and-so, to help him. Also, I have given skill to all the craftsmen to make everything I have commanded you to make. And so God endowed these guys with these gifts and talents before he ever created them. He had a good purpose for these guys, a calling, if you want to call it that, to be craftsmen and create beauty. But, here they, but, but here's a principle we're going to look at in a few minutes. When God calls you to do something, and he called Bezalel and Aholiab, he equips you because these two guys developed, they developed the gifts that the Holy Spirit had put in them. I mean, you're gifted by God in a specific way. He says, I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, ability, knowledge, and all kind of crafts, and so on and so forth. And they followed God's leading, see, and they developed those gifts that God had put in them. And they were blessed, and in turn, they blessed other people with all the beauty they could could create, see? And more important, they fulfilled God's purpose for them. That happens when you allow God to lead you and don't go your own direction. And that was a calling. I think about Genesis chapter 12, too. God called Abraham, who was called Abram at this time. reads in Genesis 12, verse 1, The Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, leave your people, leave your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. And that was kind of tough. I mean, Joshua 24 tells us that Abraham's mom and dad were pagan unbelievers who worshiped false gods, see? And so God called them from there. But they were still family. Then God says, Leave them and go to the land I will show you. And I believe the Son of God appeared to Abraham and said that very thing. But it still demanded trust. God called him, it demanded trust, to leave his mom and dad, his brothers and sisters, and everything familiar, and go, he knew not where. But God promised him, if you do this, look, look at all the promises in Genesis 12, too. I will make you into a great nation, that's Israel. I will bless you personally. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing to lots of people. That, that That's great. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. That means they take on you or your descendants. God says, they're taking me on, that's precious. And here's the biggie. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you because he would be the progenitor of the Messiah, the Savior, Jesus Christ. All this if he followed God's leading. And in verse four, the word of God says, so Abram left. And did exactly as the Lord God had told him. Now, what I'm saying is this. God's gifted you. He's gifted you with very specific gifts like Bezalel and Aholiab. And he will lead you to the specific calling, the specific place he wants you to be, like Abraham. And for a lot of us, that's our jobs, And we want to give him our best. And whatever our calling is, that's priority three in this series, what matters. So here comes a bunch of points on devoting ourselves to our calling. How do you know how do you get God's calling, first of all? How do you know where God's leading you? How do you know what your calling in life is? Well, folks, you gotta begin with the obvious. It begins with prayer. God answers prayer. And here's a great prayer: Father, lead me where you want me to go. You want God's leading? Here's here's what you need to do if you if you want God's leading. Fast, a breakfast, or a lunch. Take some time and fast. Don't tell anybody you're doing it. You want God's leading, just take that time and fast. And when you take that time, instead of just fasting and going about your day, take time to pray. And when you pray, during that time of fast, pray Psalm 143. Pray the whole psalm. But I'm just going to look at verse 7 and a few other verses, where David writes, Answer me quickly, O Lord, my own spirit fails. And as a child of God, you have a right to say that to him. Answer me quickly, O Lord. Then I look at verse 8. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I put my trust in you. Now look at the rest of verse 8. Show me the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Then you jump down to verse 10. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me. Look at that on level ground. And what does that mean? May your good spirit lead me on level ground and all obstacles are removed. And now I can see it. Now I can see clearly the direction God wants me to go. That's a great prayer. Fast a meal. Show God you're serious. You show God you're serious when you fast. I really want your direction. And you pray that. You pray Psalm 143. That's how you get God's leading. I mean, you want God's leading. Here's here's another principle. The more saturated you are with the word of God, the more you're going to hear his voice. There's no other way. The Holy Spirit guides us using the Word of God. And the more deeply you're into that Word, the less you're gonna wonder, oh, where does God want me? I mean, this is so important. The more you digest the Word of God, the more you will sense. You will sense God's leading. Listen, God leads in a bunch of ways, but the way He leads primarily in me is this. I sense it. I know in here. This is where God's taken me. This is where God wants me to go. Sometimes I don't understand it, but I sense it, folks, and I know. Now, here's a caution. If you don't study the Word on a regular basis and you sense this is what I need to do and you, you think you're getting a leading from the Holy Spirit of God and you're really not studying the Word of God, then you've got to be real careful because that's probably not from God. You're saying to yourself, oh, this is the way I should go. I feel it in my gut. And you are not a student, in any sense of the word, of the word of God. i got to say, that's probably not God. That's probably your flesh. And so before you go that way and really mess up your life, I would get some confirmations from people who do study the word of God, just sit down and talk to them and say, this is what I want to do with my life. Does this line up with the word of God? And, man, I would get on my face, man, and I would fast, and I would pray, and I would pray Psalm 143. I mean, one more time, I mean, the the more you study the Word of God, the more you are going to sense the leading of the Spirit. I mean, God leads in a number of ways, too. He leads you through other people. God does that. So listen to people who have the mind of God. God will also create circumstances and open and close doors. God works when you're yielded to Him, and you really want His leading, and you go to Him in prayer, and you're saturated with the word of god you really want god's leading like that he's going to take you the right direction that's how you hear the voice of god so you ask yourself where is god leading you sunday before last i watched charles stanley and he said this he he he, he talked about how he challenged people he challenged people about their direction in life and they said oh, oh i prayed about it and he asked them um does, does, does where you're going does that line up with the word of god And and they got very uncomfortable with that. And one lady in her 40s said, well, I'm going to marry this guy. And I prayed about it. And Charles Stanley said, well, is he a believer? Does that line up with the word of God? And she says, well, not yet. And he quoted 2 Corinthians 6.14, which says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And she didn't want to hear that. Oh, but she prayed about it. Folks, listen, the Holy Spirit is never, ever, ever going to lead you contrary to the truth he's given you in his word. Never going to lead you contrary to the truth. You can pray about it until Jesus comes again. And if it's contrary to the word of God, and the word of God says, do it or don't do it, the Spirit's never going to tell you something else. You know, people say, I have a peace about this decision. What do you mean you got a peace about it? They tell me that a lot. And so I'm going to challenge that and ask, is it God's peace? You can convince yourself that anything is right. Now, if you have to convince yourself, it's not God's peace. Remember that. If you have to talk to yourself and debate with yourself and convince yourself, don't tell me I have the peace of God. Come on. That is not God's peace. So don't go there. If it's, not God's direct, if it's not God's direction, the Holy Spirit will never give you peace. You will never have God's peace if it's not his direction. If you have truly prayed and investigated his will in the word, and there's any hesitation in you, then man, don't you go there. The Spirit's saying no, and that's God's love. That's God's grace leading you. Here's another principle to consider about our callings. Be available and be flexible. You know, sometimes I preach it myself more than other times, and this is one of those times. See, we can get our lives so planned and so structured. You don't give God the opportunity to break in, see? And the bottom line is that is pure pride, because if you don't give God the opportunity to break in, you're saying, I know where I should go. I know the direction of my life. I know what's good for me more than God, more than our omniscient God, and that means our all-knowing Father. I remember the time a guy called me, told me what's going on in his life, and he just said, would you pray for me? Well, that's a given. I'll do that because that is the most important thing I can do to work at resolution. But I sensed after we quit talking, I sensed this guy needed more time on this whole deal. And man, I had the day plan down to the last minute. I really did. Now, I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just saying this because this works, this works. So I called him back, and this was not easy because I had the day planned. But I said, we need to talk more about this. And I said, you got time to meet me at, at Big Boy. I'm 21 in Van Dyke. He lived near there. Do you know how many doors that opened? Um, I mean, into his life personally, and really. And, and I was able to connect with his, his brother, his mother, and, 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 and just, just with the Word of God, and, and, and all because... God was moving me out of my routine and I was able to break with that with that routine. And that's a very tough thing to do to break with routine. You know, you got to pray about this. You got to say, "Father, you got to Father, help me to be available when you lead and actually want to use me." To accomplish your purpose. You gotta pray like that. God, this is so good. Now think like this. You gotta think like this. When God's trying to break you out of your routine, you gotta think like this. God is now giving me the responsibility and great opportunity of accomplishing his purpose in somebody's life or some sort, somebody or some circumstance. Man, think like that, man. God's trying to pull you out of something, break with your routine, the same stuff you do all the time. And you just say to yourself, God, you're you're using me. You're moving me because you want to use me now to be part of somebody's life or part of this circumstance to accomplish your wonderful purpose in somebody's life. Train yourself to think like that. See, that is sensitivity. When you think like that, that's sensitivity to God, the Holy Spirit, folks. And that's what this thing about our callings is about. a sen- Listen, That really, that's what it's about. A sensitivity to the voice of the Spirit, and it all goes back to prayer. It all goes back to being immersed in the Word of God and you know, one thing I didn't mention, if you want to be sensitive like that to the voice of the Spirit, it all goes back to John 14, 23, and self-denial. You, you want the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart and direct you, man, you got to deny yourself. And that is John 14, 23, where Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching obey my teaching and my father will love him now look at this and we together me and my father will come to him and make our our home with him see you make choices to obey the word of god and deny your flesh and deny what you want to do you demonstrate your love for God by denying your flesh and obeying him. And what does this word of God say? He becomes family. I and mean, look at that again. You, you obey his, I mean, you obey his teaching. Jesus says, me and my father will make, let at get this now, our home with you. He becomes family. There is an intimacy there and the spirit of God will reveal the deep Intimate things of the Father's heart to you when you deny yourself. And when you're immersed in the Word, and when you pray, and when you fast, man, you're going to hear His voice. You are going to be so sensitive. The more you deny yourself, seriously, the less you buy, the more you go there and do what God wants you to do, the more you're going to be sensitive to the voice of the Spirit. And I know that's not helping our economy, but that's truth. So what matters? Priority one, our relationship with God. Priority two, family. Priority three, in this series, our callings. Next week, priority four, yourself. Here's another principle from God's word about our callings. Where God leads you, he will equip you. He will equip you. He will equip you to handle it. I just go back to Abraham and Genesis 12. God says, leave your parents, leave your brothers, leave your sisters, leave those close ties, break with them. And the key is, you know, God, God, God asked him to do all this. But verse four of Genesis 12 says, so Abraham left and did as the Lord had told him. And yeah, Abraham was a sinner. He passed his wife off as his sister to save his own skin. I know he did that. He had this affair with this servant girl, but still he was faithful to God's call and God gave him, he equipped them because he was faithful and ready to move where God wanted him to go. God equipped them to make that move. And when he got in the promised land, God gave him everything he needed to live there and prosper and God blessed him. But more important, through his seed, the Father gave his Son to the world. And when I think about this matter of equipping, man, I just want to bring it right back to the cross, to my Savior, Jesus Christ. He is true God, but he's also true man. He's true God and true man, the same person at the same time. He came into the world on a mission to save. You and me, lost people without hope apart from him. His father sent him on a mission, and his father equipped him with everything he needed for that mission. That's the big deal. Our Lord had feelings like us. No sin, mark that, never a sin, but Jesus had feelings. And Satan threw everything he had at Jesus. Pharisees, Sadducees, doctors of the law, I mean, they built so much hate against him. I mean, I read the Gospels, and and I see how Jesus started his ministry. And when he started his ministry, all these crowds are following him. And he says, love your enemies, take up your cross and follow me. And I, I challenge you to read the Gospels. At the beginning of the Gospels, he's got all these crowds. They start saying, love your enemies, you know, turn the other cheek, take up your cross and follow me. And by the end of the Gospels, he's got 12 guys. That's it. I, I can imagine Jesus praying alone in... Um, in some field or some co, Father, it's getting closer. The hour is near. I look at Matthew 16, 21, and I put myself in the position of the disciples. In Matthew 16, 21, he says, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Here's his disciples, listen to this. You're going to go down to Jerusalem, suffer, be killed? Come, what? You've been out in the sun too long, Lord. That They couldn't understand it. And then what about all this rising from death stuff? Come on. That made no sense. In Gethsemane's garden, his three closest companions, Peter, James, and John, fell asleep. And he had said, agonize with me a little bit in prayer. Go through this with me. And he agonized so intensely, Luke twenty-two forty-three. 43, he sweat blood. And the father sent an angel to strengthen him. Now listen to this. He faced it all. He was equipped, man. man, was he equipped. And he died, and he rose from death. And as his beloved believers die, he has the great glorious satisfaction as they come into his presence, escorted by angels, one by one. Here they come, every believer, one by one, and, 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 and he has the great satisfaction because he was equipped by God and fulfilled his mission and went God's direction to welcome those people and hug them and cry. I bet there's going to be tears. I bet, you know, I bet when you meet Jesus, He's going to hug you so tight, and you, you're going to feel the tears down your neck, on your shoulder. He's going to cry tears of joy over you. And Jesus Christ was going to say, it was all worth it. Every time He embraces one of His believers, He's going to say, man, it was all worth it. So get off your throne and accept Him Now let him cry some tears of joy over you. Here's the point. What the Father leads us into, he equips us to handle. If he leads you into something, he equips you to handle it. It's from God. I mean, if you're in it, and it's it's God's will, man, if you're in it, he will equip you because right now there's a bunch of you folks saying, I want to get out of this. That's nonsense. God led you into it. you got to stay in it. Don't get out of it. See it through. And one day, like Jesus, you will have such great satisfaction that God is working out his purpose through you. For for lots of us, a big part of our calling is our job. And, and I, I'm not going to go into this in any depth, but just you got to look with me at Colossians chapter 3. We'll, I'll do this as quick, quick look at Colossians chapter 3. This is verse 22. He addresses employees in verse 22, and he calls them slaves. That means employees. Obey your earthly masters, okay, in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. See, so slaves is for us employees, anybody who has a boss, and I know any number of people who have very difficult bosses, and it's very difficult to go to work every day And to have to face that, and I've said to any number of people, and I mean this, that I believe that is your greatest test of devotion to the Lord. To go to that situation, that circumstance every day and not liking it and having to give it your best, your 200% to earn the respect of that boss or those people that you have a difficult time with. That is a great test of your faith, man, of your, of your devotion. And that's what God's Word says we are called to do, because I look at verse 24 of Colossians chapter 3. It says, um, Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Jesus Christ you are serving. Verse 23, whatever you do, work at it. Notice this with all your heart as working for the Lord. I mean, that should be in every area of life. You're doing it for the Lord. And so you give it your best. I mean, if you slop by just to get paid or because you have seniority and you know they're not going to lay you off. So you give it your least. People, that is not from God. That's right from hell. Here's one last comment on your job. It's your mission field. Think of it like that. You're there by God's plan. God brought you into a group of people, not to the clobber them with the Bible, but to build into their lives. And so you don't complain about your job. You let people know how much you like, I mean, how much you appre- not necessarily like, but at least appreciate your job. See, what you're doing is you're building bridges into their lives, and you will. When you act like that, you'll have an opportunity to tell them what God's done in your life. When, you, when they begin to trust you, Because they see something deeper in you. They see a connection with the Lord inside you. They will begin to share their personal problems with you. And you have this opportunity to speak the Word of God into their lives. And I'll tell you, Matt, when it it gets that good, you are fulfilling God. You're where God wants you to be, baby, I'll tell you. You are fulfilling God's purpose for your life. You're going His direction. You're doing what you're called to do.
0: Think About It is sponsored by Real Life Christian Church. Real Life Christian Church meets in Endeavor Middle School, 22505 26 Mile Road, just west of North Avenue in Ray, Michigan. Sunday service starts at 10 a.m. Visit us on the web at rlcc.us. Never miss a single message from Pastor Rasper. Just go to faithtalk1500.com and download the Real Life Podcast. And until next week, may God's Word do a work in you. Real Life Christian Church. Get real.